Hi there. You're listening to the Lighthouse to the Nations Church podcast. This week, Bruce shared part two of our Ephesians series, What God Has Done for Us. We hope you enjoy this message. So I'll need that microphone as well. Can I use both microphones, eh? Okay, I'll put it on. So here, I'll call you up in a few seconds. Share the word in what Michael Eaton said about reading. That, that speaker and that speaker. Okay, cool. You come stand, yeah, in front of this thing. Okay. Are we ready to go? Sorry, okay, well, sorry about that, guys. Good morning and welcome to uh, our service this morning. So those that are you watching online, welcome. It's really a great privilege to have you with us. And uh, we're doing part two in our Ephesians series this morning. And we're gonna be, I'm going to be preaching from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And really looking forward to that. But as I do that, let's just commit the time to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before your presence through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I ask for your grace and your mercy as I share your word this morning to share it with clarity, with power, with conviction. I pray for those that are hearing that you'd open their hearts wide. Holy Spirit, take your word that through my mouth and explode it onto our hearts and into our minds and let it be burned into our lives, I pray, Lord. Help us, Lord, we need. We pray that every vain thought, every lie of the enemy that is exalted above your word, your spirit in our minds, tear it down and renew our minds as we wash them with your word this morning and as we look at this great book of Ephesians. In Jesus' name we ask for this. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Hillary to come up. Hillary had a prophetic word during the worship and um, this morning, and I just want Hillary just to share this word because it's such an apt word in line with where we're going this morning. So Hillary, why don't you just come forward and I'd love you just to share that word with us. It's um, Proverbs 30 verse 5. It says, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And just in these uncertain times, we can really depend on God's word because it's trustworthy. Now, always remember what Michael Eaton said. When you read the word of God for yourself, read it as if you were in the presence of Jesus. And let him speak to you and help you to understand his word. So good. Such a great word. Thanks, Hill. Will you take that mic for us as well? Thank you so much. And so that, that, so th- we're looking at the book of Ephesians and we're preaching through God's word this morning. And, um, you know, I believe that we live in a time in the world. And I want the young people especially for you guys to listen to me this morning. Because I believe we're living in a world where truth is in short supply. And we see that the world is in trying to intimidate the church to let go of the truth that we have in God's word. He has a quote that is going to come up on the screen behind me. And uh, for you, if you're watching online, it's going to come up online. And I want to read it to us. This is by Ravi Zachariah. Listen to what he says. These days, it's not just that the line between right and wrong has been made unclear. Today, Christians are being asked by our culture to erase the lines and to move the fences. And if that were not bad enough, we are being asked to join in the celebration cry by those who have thrown off the restraints of re- that religion has imposed upon them. It is not just that they ask that we accept, but they now demand that we celebrate it too. 
Now guys, you need to ponder that quote because that is a very apt description of what is going on in the world today. Now it's, it's important because as we look at the book of Ephesians, we'll understand that the church in Ephesus was birthed into a culture that did not know biblical truth. It had no frame of reference for it. And that gives us hope as we look into this world that is letting go of truth, God can revive, can reform, and can restore back to the cities and to our cultures and our towns in our day. If we, the church, will not give in, but we will stand firm on the truth of God's word. Now, I just want to remind you, I just want to read a couple of verses from Acts chapter 19, from verses 17 to 29, about the situation that was going on in Ephesus and what had happened. Guys were trying to exercise demon spirits out of people in the name that Paul preached. And one, one, one time this, this demon turned around and beat these seven guys almost to the point of death. And in verse 7 it says this, when this became known to all of the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculate the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. Now that's equivalent to about 10 million rand in today's terms. Listen to this. In this way, the word of God spread widely and grew in power. All right? Now, I want to pick it up in another verse. It's, it talks about the riots in Ephesus. You know, there's been some riots happening around the world. So listen to this. At that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. And he called them together, along with the workmen in related trade, and said, Men, you know we receive a good income from this business. But you see in how this fellow Paul has convinced and led many people and large numbers astray here in Ephesus and practically in the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are not gods at all. Isn't that an interesting statement? And there is great danger that not only our trade will lose its good name, but that also the temple of the goddess of Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the whole world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Interesting, eh? And when they heard this, they were furious and began to shout, Great is Artemis of Ephesians. And soon the whole city was in uproar, and then the people seized Gaius and brought him into the temple, or into the theater. So then what happens? One of the city clerks comes in and tries to bring order back into this crowd and this riot. And in Acts 19 verses 35 to 41, this is what the city clerk says. The city clerk quietened the crowd down and said, men of Ephesus, does not, not, does not the whole world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image that fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, interesting that, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. These men that you have brought here, they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. And then he speaks about how they can go to the courts if Demetrius and these other silversmiths have a problem with Paul. And so this gives us great insight. I want you to see something here, that in Ephesus, they believed that the temple of uh, Artemis was divine. They believed that the statue of Artemis was divine and that it had fallen out of the sky magically from heaven and that she was the god of fertility. And if you worshipped her, 
your business would be profitable, your, your wife would be fertile, your ground would be fertile, your livestock would be fertile. And this, this was the truth that they believed. And the economy of Ephesus was built around the temple, around this belief, and these guys that were making these statues and these replicas of these temples were making a lot of money selling them to the people and the tourists that would come to Ephesus to see the temple of Artemis and and Diana, the statues of Diana. It's kind of like when you go to Disneyland, how you go and buy this stuff after you've done a ride. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again, am I right? And the preaching of the truth of Christ and of the gospel so impacted Ephesus through Paul and through this church in Ephesus and the whole province of Asia that the sales of these idols and of these temples was decreasing. As truth Biblical truth was replacing lies. It's interesting, isn't it, eh? Now, also, I want you to understand this, that this guy says that Paul and his teachers had not, they had not robbed temples or blasphemed the goddess. In other words, Paul and them were not speaking against those things. They were just preaching the truth of Christ. They were not speaking against the darkness. They were simply bringing the light of who Jesus is. And that light was pushing back the darkness. And that's what we need to be doing. We as Christians need to be standing strong, not celebrating the darkness that the world is trying to push on us, but to stand firm on the truths of scripture, like Hillary read to us early on, and believe what we believe. It's a time for us Christians to believe our beliefs and to doubt our doubts and to stand firm in Christ because that's what it's going to take to bring our world back to Jesus and back to the truth of Scripture. So this, this Ephesians, um, and for you young guys, you know, guys, I'm, I'm almost 50. Or maybe I've got 30, 40 years left in my life. You've still got your whole life ahead of you. The future for your children and for the generations that come after you, you are in a battle for truth. And you need to make sure that you win the battle now so that your kids will grow up in a better world than the one that you're growing up in right now. And we as parents need to be doing that as well. Amen? And so we need to really, in 2020, take a firm grip again on what we know and believe to be true as the church. Romans chapter 12 and verses 2, Paul says this to the Roman church. He says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, when your mind is transformed, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And listen to what Paul says what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will for our lives is good, perfect, and pleasing. Jesus, in John chapter 17 and verse 17, when he was just about to be crucified, he was praying his high priestly prayer. Listen to what he prays to the Father. He says this, make them holy, which is set apart, transformed, you know, pure, by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Young people, we need to understand this, that the world is got no concept of truth. And when you watch internet and the television and the sitcoms and everything else, you're not getting truth. You are getting a perversion of the truth, lies. And you need to come back to what God says is true in his word. And you need to not celebrate what the world wants you to celebrate, but you need to celebrate what God says is right and his word. Amen? I want you to ask yourself this question. What do you believe about yourself? And what do you believe and who do you believe about who's talking to you. Do you believe the media, 
the world? And do you believe the media's advertising that forced their products on you to make you look good, feel good, and stay in control about yourself? Do you listen to your own thoughts, your own attitudes that have been placed there by those that have hurt you, rejected you, and disappointed you over the years? Are you listening to and believing the lies of the enemy and what he says about you? Or are you going to choose, make a decision that I am going to stand on Christ my rock and that I'm going to root myself in his word and what it says about me and what it says I am and who Jesus is and what Jesus did for me? I want to suggest to us strongly this morning that the latter is what we should choose as the church. And that as we go through this book of Ephesians and as we listen today, I'm going to share some powerful, life-changing truths with you about who Jesus is and what he has done for you. But it will be useless to you if you don't believe it, if you don't receive it, if you don't apply it into your life and live it out. See, truth is always meant to be lived out. And so we need to take a firm stand again on this truth. In Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 1 is all about what God has done for us in Christ. And Paul declares this and states it very clearly. And I'm going to be reading some verses on it. Amen? So look at this. Let's go to Ephesians, okay? And we're going to read. I'm going to pick it up in verses, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says this. All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, because we are united with Christ. Now I want to ask you this question. What does it mean to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus? What does it mean? Okay. In the next couple of verses, Paul is actually going to unpack for us exactly what it means. But I, but I, okay, well let me not get ahead of myself. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 to 6. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Look at verse 5. God decided in advance, this is from the NLT, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. And these are incredibly powerful truths that God is talking about here, okay? And I'm thinking about Revelation, where it says there that he chose us before he made the world. In Revelation 13 and verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. What does this mean for us? Well, my friends, this is what it means. We know that in Genesis, the Bible says that God created the world and everything in it pure and holy, and that he created man sinlessly perfect, pure and undefiled. The Bible records three perfect people that had ever lived and they were born in sinless perfection, Adam and Eve and Jesus Christ. But the Bible knew that well, although God made man perfectly and gave man free choice, that man was going to fall and that man was going to somehow give in to sin and, he was, and sin was going to come. And I want you to see this. What happened to man in the Garden of Eden when, when Satan came and when man chose to accept Satan and his lies and to follow the serpent in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that Jesus said this, God said this, when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And that's what happened. Now, 
did Adam and Eve die physically? No. What was their death? There was a spiritual death. And what we read here in Ephesians, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And that it says there that God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And what that means is that while we were still sinners, God did something. He sent his son Jesus. And Jesus came as that pure, sinless third person ever to live. And not once in Jesus' life did he give in to temptation or did he sin. But he lived a pure life. And that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And he made us holy and blameless. And what that means is that God instantaneously, the minute we're born again, covers us. And that's what it means, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Our spirits are instantaneously born again through what God has done through us, through Jesus Christ. Amen? All right? Now listen to this. The Bible says that he loved us and chose us in Christ before he made the world. And that God decided to do this in advance to adopt us into his family and to bring us through himself in Christ Jesus. And listen to this. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. My friends, this is incredible. What's the Bible telling us? What's the truth that the Bible is telling us about you and me? Number one, you are pre-known by the Father. Number two, you are pre-loved by the Father. Number three, you were chosen by God the Father before the creation of the world was laid. And because of what Jesus has done for you, God has made you holy and with without fault in his eyes. Now you might sit there and say, wow, but if that's, Bruce, that's amazing that God sees me like this. But I know myself. And I know I'm not that good. And I know there's many issues in my life. And you see, now that's interesting because while our spirits in Jesus, we are instantaneously born again. When we look under you, oof, our mind, our souls, our mind, will, our emotions, they're not instantaneously saved. They still need a bit of work. And what did we read? What did we read in Romans? How do we purify our minds? How do we wash our minds? How do we transform our minds? The Bible says that we take the word of God and we allow the word of God to renew our minds and to transform our minds and to pour his word and God's spirit and Jesus into us. And then what Jesus does is, the purity that Jesus gives us on the outside, our justification as we spend time in the word, like Hillary says, in the presence of Jesus with us, but reading it, it transforms our mind, will, and our emotions. So that what is on the outside, Jesus, can come on the inside of us. And that's what happens to the Ephesian church. You will remember from the, the, the introduction last week that in Ephesus, it was a wealthy city. It was full of these pagan worshippers committing sexual immorality there in, in the temple. They were thieves who would go and seek sanctuary in the temple. But my friends, these men and women, they were, they were sorcerers. And what did they come? They came and burnt all of their books and all of their stuff. They repented from their sexual immorality. They allowed God to renew them. Now, my friends, what's happening in the world today is I believe that in the church, the church is falling for the lies of the enemy and he's allowing our minds to fill us up with his lies. And like that quote from Xavier Zach, Zachariah, they're asking us to celebrate 
the debauchery and the wickedness and the sin that is in there. And we must say, no, we are not going to, we are going to use the word of God and we're going to allow that truth to transform our minds. Is this helpful, my friends? God is able to save us completely and to make us like himself. But it means we've got to believe the truth. We've got to be rooted in God's word, led by God's spirit, and be found in those things. Listen to, look at verse four. The father has adopted us into his family. He has brought us to himself. I want you to get this. Jonathan, God wanted to adopt you, and you gave him great pleasure. Say this to yourself. God wants me, and God gives me pleasure. Amen? You remember what Mike spoke to us about. You're my Ephesus. You're my darling. Remember what God said to us last year. You're my makanaka. Let the word of God transform you this morning and receive the truth that God says to you, you are valuable, you are precious, I love you, I chose you, and I justify you, and I say you are holy and blameless in myself, in your spirit, while I'm going to transfer, your, I'm going to transform your soul. I'm going to sanctify your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is the truth, my friends. Listen to this in verse six. It says, "So we praise God for the glorious great He has poured out on us, who belong to His Son. He pours out on us by His Son. Amen." Now. In the gospel, we receive glory and honor from God the Father. It says this in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 17, speaking of Jesus at his baptism. Listen to what it says. Peter writes this. He says, for he, speaking of Jesus, received glory and honor from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Sonship. Love, pleasure. I want to tell you the word of God over our lives as lighthouse is this. And those watching online, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are loved by God and you give God pleasure. Amen. And we receive that. This morning, Myra and I were praying and reading in our Bibles. And Myra read from also Ephesians where it says salvation is not of works that any man should boast. It is the gift of God in Christ Jesus. I just want to ask you a question. You can edit this. Is that 20 minutes or 25? 25. Okay, good. Thank you. Now, let's go and read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 8. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You see, the, the blood of Jesus, it covers my sin. It cleanses me. When God looks at me, he looks at me as I'm clothed with the blood of Jesus. And he doesn't see my sin, but he sees the righteousness of God in me. That's what it means to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness, and he wants to heal us from that darkness. That's why we're called to be a healing community as a church. But more important than that, God has got incredible destiny, plans and purposes, and part of that is to sanctify our lives that we can be 
a base church that we can actually walk in the destiny that God has got in us. God has got destiny of your life. He's got plans and purposes that He wants you to walk Thank into. Thank you so much for joining us And that's why we're called today. to be a base church because we, like we don't just heal people and bring them out church, of the kingdom of darkness and make like them whole. No, we also want to put them into our space and into the plan and the purpose and the call of destiny And part of that is to be light Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of our episodes. Thank you. Now, listen to Ephesians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Now God has revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which was to fill his own plan. And in this plan, at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. My friends, listen and understand the sovereignty of God here and his plan and his purpose for God. God is going to bring the whole world under the authority of Christ. Do you believe that? We need to understand that that we, of what God has done for us and what God has planned and what God has purposed, and that the only thing that's going to go from time into eternity and be with God in heaven forever is him and his church. And that there is a real place called heaven and there is a real place called hell and people are destined to go to one of those two places. And part of God's will and the mystery of God's will is that through us, the church, the gospel is preached that those who are destined for hell do not have to go there but can be transformed and they have a new destiny and that is heaven. And this is because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? The Bible says in Revelations 9 and verses 10, sorry, verses 5 and verse 9, that, that Jesus was worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because he was slain and with his blood he purchased men for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. Amen. Let me bring this to an end with the last couple of verses. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God because he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who that we Jews who were the first to trust in God would bring praise and glory and honor to God. Oh, my friends, this is amazing. You have an inheritance. I have an inheritance that is kept for us in heaven. And every 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 bit of every act of service, everything you do in response to what Jesus has done for you will not go unrewarded in heaven one day. Amen. And I love what it says here. So God's purpose is that we would bring praise and glory and honor to God. Who wants to live a life to bring praise and glory and honor to God? I want to. Now, how do you do that? Listen to what Jesus says in John 17, verses 1. After this, Jesus looked and prayed towards heaven. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. What you need to understand is before you can glorify God and honor God, God needs to honor and glorify you. Now, we've already seen that you, that happens at your baptism. When God chose you when, he born, when you were born again. But look at verse 4, what Jesus says. I've brought you glory and honor by completing the work that you gave me to do. You see, we can receive glory and honor from, from God the Father as his sons and daughters. But then as we work out in relationship with him, we can bring glory and honor back to God as we Join God in his purposes to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's why we call Lighthouse to the Nations, because Jesus is a savior for every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And so, my friends, 
as I close this word, I want to ask you this question. Do you believe these truths? Do you believe, what do you believe about who God is, sorry, who Jesus is and what he has done for you? And do you believe the implications of that for, for who you are because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done, what you should be doing with your life and how you should be going about your life? I want you to look up and I want you to see Jesus and what he's done for you. I want you to listen to what your heavenly father says to you about in his word, about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And I want you to take your stand on that. And no matter what the world says, and no matter what the world wants to vomit on you or talk to you about it, you stand on God and his word and you proclaim his life and his word over your life. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for Ephesians. We thank you for what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. And we thank you we can celebrate this. And Lord, you are sovereign, you are God, and that your purposes and your plans will stand firm forever. And that this world and its systems will pass away. And I pray for us as a church that we would be firmly rooted on you, Lord Jesus Christ, our rock. And that we would be, that the root of your word and that the power of your Holy Spirit would enable us to stand firm and not to give in to the world and its ways and its lies, but to, Father God, to hold on to your truths as we discover them through this series in Ephesians. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you, my dear friends. To those of you watching online, thank you so much. I trust that encourages you this morning. I know that it's a challenging word, but these are challenging times, and we need to hold on to the truth of God and his word. God bless you.